the most influential people tend to deliver some tough love. And tough love equals challenge. That's what it usually means. Tough love is usually challenging someone to be better with understanding and patience and kindness. And most influential people did that for us. And the last thing influential people do is they role model it. Yes. They're demonstrating. Like you, this is so awesome for your community. For your community, you demonstrate it. They see Amy Porterfield show up again and again and again and again. And they're, just, they're influenced and empowered by it just by you doing you. And so if you want to influence other people, learn to shape their thoughts, challenge them, and role model the way. If you do that, you have developed more influence. I'm Amy Porterfield, ex-corporate girl turned CEO of a multi-seven-figure business. But it wasn't all that long ago that I lacked the confidence, the budget, and the time to focus on growing my small but mighty business. Fast forward past many failed attempts and lessons learned, and you'll see the business I have today, one that changes lives and gives me more freedom than I ever thought possible, one that used to only exist as a daydream. I created the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies to help you do the same. If you're an ambitious entrepreneur or one in the making who's looking to create a business that makes an impact and a life you love, you're in the right place, friend. Let's get started. Well, hey there, friend. Happy Thursday or whatever day you may be tuning into this episode. 2022 has been such a fun year for this podcast already. And I hope you're enjoying my new solo episodes, the ones that I call my shorty episodes. I do them every Tuesday and they're always a little bit behind the scenes or a little bit more personal, usually around 15 minutes. But every Tuesday, I have a brand new episode in addition to these Thursday episodes where I typically interview guests and they're a little bit longer. And today, you are in for a treat. When I think of some of the most impressive entrepreneurs that I know, my guest comes to mind. There's a very good chance you've heard of him, and if you haven't, prepare your heart. His name is Brendan Bouchard, and let me tell you a little bit about this guy. Oprah Magazine named him one of the most influential leaders in personal growth. Oprah Magazine. Forbes named him the world's leading high-performance coach. Larry King called him the world's leading life coach. Success Magazine ranks him in the top 25 most influential success teachers. I mean, come on. He's truly an entrepreneur all entrepreneurs should learn from. He's also a three-times New York Times bestselling author, and his book, High Performance Habits, How Extraordinary People Become That Way, is one of my personal favorites. And he's here today to share his knowledge and heart. And we talk about how to take struggles and challenges and traumatic experiences and turn them into something beautiful. We talk about how to become a high-performance entrepreneur, including six habits that every high performer should focus on. And I'm telling you, these six habits have revolutionized my life. This is a juicy episode. And I am so glad you're joining us for it. Also, be sure to share this one with any friend or family member or just anyone you think might need a little bump in their day to make them feel a little bit better. All right. Thanks so much for joining us and let's get to it. 
My brand voice guide is my business's North Star when it comes to keeping all my business content and marketing content clear, consistent, and inviting. That's why I created the brand voice guide outline you wish you had sooner, which is a free resource to help your business experience the same as mine. So all you have to do is plug in your business details into the given outline that I've created that has all the essential components of a brand voice guide. So you don't even have to pay to get it created like I did. You can plug in your information and you'll be well on your way to having a cohesive voice across all brand assets. And I've even shared my own brand voice guide with you so you can use it as a reference as you craft your own. It's like having a mentor right by your side. So go to amyporterfield.com forward slash voice guide to grab your copy of the brand voice guide outline you wish you had sooner. And I can promise you, you're going to elevate your brand instantly. That's amyporterfield.com forward slash voice guide. Welcome to the show, Brendan. I am so excited you're here. Thank you. Thank you. I've, I've wanted to do this for a long time and I've wanted to collaborate with you for a long time. So trust me, it's my honor. I'm pumped. Oh my goodness. I feel the same way. And it's funny. I thought you had already been on the show. We've been friends for so very long and I've had over 400 episodes and I was telling one of my team members, no, go back. He's been on the show already. This is going to be the <laughs> second time, right? She's like, no, he hasn't. And I couldn't believe it. So then I thought, okay, awesome. Because I've got a lot of questions for you. I want to cover Yay. a lot of stuff. If you're good with that, I'm good with that. Well, listen, I actually, I, I, some people know, I rarely do interviews. Like rarely. It's not because I'm weird. It's because I'm, I'm also a content creator. So I'm just doing my own thing. I rarely, rarely, I did what? Like three interviews all of last year oh and God. none the year before. I just don't, I don't do them. So okay. um, I feel extra special for the rest. You, you know what? It's I totally do. worth it. And I love <laughs> what you're putting out in the world and you're helping a ton of people get to have the blessings of careers like you and I have. So I felt like this was hugely important. And um, I've just loved watching what you've been building and how you're leading so many oh. people. So I, trust me, I'm geeking out about it. This is, this is an honor. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you for saying all that. It means the world to me. And before we even get started, I have to say a lot of people know the story I've told many, many times about being at the Tony Robbins offices. He brought in a bunch of internet marketers to this big round oak table. I was on the side, literally taking notes. All these guys went around and talked about their businesses and you were at that table. And so first of all, can you believe that it's been over 13 years that happened? No, that boggles my mind. Um, but it also shows what you can do in 13 years. Yes. You know, we've, we've all built a ton of things in that. Yes. And, and finally, 13 years later, Tony started implementing many of the things we talked about. <laughs> <laughs> you said that. I didn't say that. For the record. <laughs> so I can't even believe it's been that long. But that was where... I started to think, I don't know what these guys are doing, but I want a piece of it because yeah. I heard of so much freedom and growth and opportunity in those conversations you guys were having. And it was incredible. And then to know that you and I have stayed friends for for so long afterwards, I got to tell one more quick story about us being friends. You don't, you would never have remembered this, but I know I just mentioned it at a Kajabi event you and I, well, that you had that I spoke at, but 
I made my first three-part video series about, I guess it would be about 12 years ago now, and I was so scared to put out the videos, and I remember like it was yesterday, I was at my son's baseball game, I had a laptop on my computer working away because I was frantically trying to hustle, get my business up, and you sent me a text and you said, your videos are really good. And that meant the world to me that you did that. I remember it to this day because someone else had acknowledged something that I had done that was so new and exciting and different. So thank you so much for being a part of that. Yeah. Well, you've always been serving people so well and with the right intentions. And I even remember another memory of, I don't know, a couple of years ago, we were at um, a person's conference and we hadn't seen each other in years. We were yes. kind of like walking backstage. We were, we, were, uh-huh. we were walking through these aisles or this this building somewhere. And I remember we went and sat and you were going to talk about your building your business. And I don't know if we were on a panel or I don't remember what, why, I don't even remember why we were all there. I think we both spoke and um, you were just sharing how your business had been building and how you're ready to go for it. And you were having a change in, in your structure or something. And, yeah. and I was just like, go big. Yes. Just, you're so awesome. Like you can be at whatever level you choose to, because you have the discipline and the care for your customers and you've been around, so you, you, you get it. Like, go big. And I just saw that look in your eye <laughs> that so many people need to get who are listening to this right now. That look of conviction, that look of, you know what? You're right. This is the time. You know what? I should do this. Not because I have to, but because I feel that calling to, and I know what I'm capable of. And most people listening to this, they doubt their capability or they don't you know, cheer themselves on enough to be consistent. And I think this is a time if people are listening to, this, to have so much conviction to doubling down on whatever you're doing that's working or doubling down on whatever you, you're doing that's your dream or doubling down for the first time to even try your dream. This time of year, this moment, it, it's time for greater conviction for raising your ambition again. And I think the last couple of years, people kind of hid back on their ambition. Well, there's so much uncertainty. Uh, I'm unsure of how to do things. And, and they discounted themselves. Yeah. And sometimes they need your podcast or a voice on your podcast to say, you can do this. And I want to let you know, you can do this at extraordinary levels. And very few people believe that at the beginning, but then someone says, hey, good video. Or someone says, hey, listen, we all start somewhere no matter how small you start, start something that matters and go for it. Raise your ambition again because so many's ambition, so many people's ambitions are in the dumps because of the last couple of years. And I'm like, you okay, you can't let it live there anymore. You can't so let you, that ambition be so low. When you say we we all know what the word ambition means, but when you use the word ambition in this way, what does that look like to you? Raise yeah. your ambition. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, it's funny because I'm, I'm a personal development guy who started teaching marketing because people saw me selling or marketing my personal development. They're like, well, how do you do that? So I never thought I'd teach marketing. But when I got in the space of teaching these things, I started to have the opportunity to coach people, just unbelievable people, like unbelievable success stories, people on covers of magazines. You know, I have seven-figure clients all day long. Now, though, what I noticed in the last four or five years Everyone wants the same things. They just don't know how much of it they want. And so for me, ambition, I always tie back to what does every person really want? After you've had it all, what do you want? When you're rising up, what do you want? 
when you want to break through, what do you want? We all want three things. First and foremost, we want aliveness. We all want to feel more alive. We all want to feel the day more. We don't want the day to be a stress, a drag, a blur, a checkout. Of, you know, we all want to be fully engaged, fully alive, and we want that experience emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually to feel that sense of aliveness or vibrancy. Second thing we all want is connection. Deeper connection with ourselves, with the moment, and with other people. And when we lack those things, we start sensing loneliness or misery. And we all want meaningful pursuits. Things that make us feel alive and connected, but give us that sense of creative expression, of fulfillment, of impact. That say, oh, this is what I'm doing. It matters to me. It's important to me. I love this. And we all want more of that. So I tell everyone, raise your ambition on that. You can feel more alive. You can feel more connected. You can pursue things that are more meaningful. But first, you have to have that growth imperative that is conviction that says, it's okay for me to have ambition to want a better life. I can be happy with today. I can be present today. I can be fulfilled in this very moment. I can have so much meaning right now and still want more. I asked the Dalai Lama one time. I literally asked him. I said, do you, do you want... <laughs> Who says that, first of all? I asked the Dalai Lama, but okay, continue. Oh, see, people, people yeah, I take it for <laughs> granted. Uh, I, 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 so long story short, I had this belief that in, like in Buddhism, you know, there's this idea that you shouldn't be attached to wanting more, that sometimes types of desires can lead us to misery. And I, was, I just never really believed that. And so I, I asked if he, His Holiness, wanted to be better at meditation and prayer. Well, of course. Right? We all want something. Desire is not bad. Even the Dalai Lama wants to be better at something. That's desire. It's okay for you to have desire. Even if your husband doesn't understand your desire, even if your neighbors think you're crazy, even if the first 10 comments are rude and stupid and you know uninformed, your desire and your willingness to stoke your ambition every day if you don't do that, the motivation goes away. If you don't do that, you're not consistent. And if you don't do that, you end up in a life where you feel like totally caged by other people's expectations or your own fears. And so at some point, especially now, we have to go, okay, wow, we've been through so much as a global community. It's like, let me reorientate my life. Let me recalibrate what's important to me and let me raise some ambition. It's okay. You want a bigger business. It's okay. You want more money. It's okay. You want to feel more alive doing what you're doing. And if you don't give yourself that permission first and that ambition next, you just get stuck. And so many people are serving at way lower levels than they're capable of. And, uh, and they know it. Okay. So that actually leads me to a question I wanted to ask you. One of the things that I think as human beings, we all deal with this, but I know a lot of my listeners deal with this, is this, we get stuck in being the victim. It's like we get trapped there. And it comes up because we've got a lot of challenges. Like you just said, we've gone through two really hard years, lots of challenges, lots of struggles. And we find ourselves in this victim mentality, even though we're just like, I don't want to be here at all. And I was hoping you could talk a little bit about how to get out of that and how to move on, even when you can't change everything around you. Yeah. Usually victimhood comes from lack of belonging 
or empowerment. Mm. And because no one raises their hand and goes, I'm a victim. No one's happy about the situation. What happens is by usually playing the victim or speaking in victim language, which is more you know, appropriate what's really happening, is that people receive a payoff from it. So when they complain or they say things aren't fair or they tell people you don't understand, someone's go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's so hard. Oh, yeah. And they get empathy. And in that moment or those moments or that pattern, they're getting a connection hit with someone. They're receiving empathy from somebody and that feels good. So they're letting themselves fall trap. They're letting themselves fall victim to that own pattern. That the more I share in seeking, what they're really seeking is empathy. And when they get it, now they fall into the pattern. And that's why it's important to be around people and a peer group to have coaches or a therapist or mentors who, when they hear that, they can give empathy, but they don't let you live there. They can give you empathy, but they're like, okay, hey, you know what? The time for complaining is entirely over. What are you going to do? Let's adopt a solution mindset, not the victim mindset. Let's tell me what we're going to do. Let's stay on track. When you get discouraged, by the way, it's 1000% okay. You get discouraged. Everyone gets discouraged. It's that some people get discouraged and they stop. Other people get discouraged and they say, that's a signal to learn and get better or reach out for help. And so if you're in that victim mindset or you get stuck there, realize you're just trying to have a sense of belonging. A lot of people who actually are in that victim mindset, it's because they don't belong. They're in the wrong community or the wrong relationship where when they share their dreams with other people, they keep put, getting put down. Yeah. And they've been put down so many times, they believe that truth versus realizing that's just the environment you're in. If we put you in this environment over here, you know, one of my events, one of your events, your community online, they're like, oh, wow, this is a whole different thing. And all of a sudden they get belonging by their effort, by their progress, by their own dreams. Oh yeah, you belong here. That dream, that ambition you have. I know it sounds crazy to everyone else, but all us weirdos, we think you're awesome. <laughs> and all of a sudden, oh, okay. And now they start feeling rewarded for the desire, the consistency, the dreams, the effort by that community. And you see the victim talk start going away because now they're empowered with the better community that's supportive, still providing empathy, but a more encouraging progress. When you become victim, you're rewarded and you receive empathy for the complaint, not the progress. Ah, so good. So true. I know you're focused on marketing and selling your digital products, but I know many of you also have physical products and I want to talk about Shopify. Shopify is a user-friendly commerce platform that helps you, my dear online entrepreneur, build an online store and make more sales at any stage of your business. They're the force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other businesses at every size. Let me tell you why Shopify is an online entrepreneur's dream platform. It's because it helps turn your browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout experience. In fact, it converts 36% better compared to other leading e-commerce platforms. Yeah, loving that. And I don't know about you, but as an online entrepreneur, my customer's experience, especially when it comes to checking out, is so important. 
Plus, not only do they support your customers, they support you as the entrepreneur. Shopify's award-winning help desk is there to support your success through every question and every step of the way. There's a reason Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash made easy, all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash made easy now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash made easy. We are online marketers, which means we have unique needs. And there are so many options out there for paid media. Sometimes it's hard to figure out where should you go to reach your ideal audience. But here's the thing. Have you thought about LinkedIn ads? LinkedIn ads empowers marketers with solutions for you and your customers, and it allows you to build the right relationships and drive results and reach your customers with meaningful content. You do not want to sleep on LinkedIn ads. And here's the thing, 79% of content marketers said LinkedIn produces the best results for paid media. I hear it from so many of my peers, and I know you're doing important work. And with that, you wanna make sure that the work you're doing is getting in front of the right people. And that's what LinkedIn ads will allow you to do. So let your marketing efforts connect with the right audience and get a $100 credit on your next campaign. So if you go to linkedin.com slash Amy, you can get that $100 credit. So that's linkedin.com slash Amy. Terms and conditions apply. You know, as you were talking, I was thinking, take me way back. How did you even get interested in studying and learning about high performance humans? Like, how did this even come about for you? Yeah. Well, I wish I could say it was like some moment of inspiration and said it was deep sadness. I think I was a pretty happy-go-lucky kid. And then the worst thing happened possible in high school, I fell in love. (laughs) 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 And so what happened, I fell in love with this girl in high school and she became my high school sweetheart. And um, my entire life became this, this girl. And we uh, were madly in love. She wanted to go to college. So I went to college. I wasn't even going to go to college. I was going to become like a landscaper or something. And um, she wanted to go to college. So I went to college and we shared a U-Haul on the way to school. We lived in the same dormitory building. We signed up for the same classes. I was just kind of like a tag along a little bit, honestly. I didn't have a full independence yet of mind. And then in that first year, Um, she cheated and went outside the relationship with somebody I knew. And as that relationship fell apart, I fell apart. And I fell into uh, just deep sadness that then turned into depression and not being able to get out of bed or shower or go to classes. And it was especially complicated because she was in the classes. So I didn't want to go to class. So I just laid in bed in my own filth and tears for weeks and months on end fell into depression, then fell into suicidal thinking, then suicidal ideation. And I, you know, I I'd, I'd I'd friends, but they couldn't get me out of bed. I just, I couldn't turn it around. And I didn't know enough as a 19-year-old kid to ask for help from, you know, a therapist or something like that. And then I had, I always tell people, reading and marketing changed my life really? because I still read. 
I still read. So I, op- I was laying there in bed and I opened up the school newspaper and I was flipping through and I still remember it. There was this ad in the school newspaper and I, I literally can see the ad. There was this white um, sandy beach, this turquoise ocean, this be- be- beautiful green palm tree, perfect blue sky, and across the top, a perfect headline of all time for a kid in my position. It said, escape. <laughs> <laughs> and then the subtitle said, students needed for summertime jobs in the Dominican Republic. And you now, were all about it. I was like, I didn't, I'm from Montana. I didn't even know where the Dominican Republic was, was, but I knew she wasn't there. So So I took it. I went down there and I wish I could say I was a happy go lucky kid in a new place, but sometimes we move or we go somewhere, but we take ourselves with us. Yes. And then one night I was, I was basically a glorified tour guide down there was a job and a coworker and I got in a car, he was driving and we went down this road late at night after dropping off a client. And um, long story short, we came upon a corner that in the United States would have had one of those sharp U-turn shaped signs. It didn't. And we were going 85 miles an hour. And we end up flipping off this road several times. And I usually tell it in a longer story format, but I learned in those moments sliding off that road and, and into death's doorway that I didn't want to die. I was a suicidal kid, but when it came to, I didn't want to die. I just didn't know how to live. And there was a moment where I saw these images of people I loved after the car had flipped several times. There was a moment I was able to pull myself out through the windshield of the car and stand up on the windshield of the car after, after the wreck and escaped. And there was blood coming out everywhere. And I looked down at the hood of the car and the blood was going off and I thought it was passing out or dying. And I just remember looking down at this blood and feeling life drain away and thinking, did I even matter? And I didn't like that answer. Yeah. You know, 19 year old kid. And so it forced these questions of, did I live in my life? I hadn't, I'd been thinking about taking my life, not living it. Did I love? Cause you see these images of people you're going to be around. And I hadn't loved because I was so hurt. Did I matter? I hadn't done anything. I was a 19 year old kid and selfishly hurt. And so I decided in that moment, I felt like God had given me what I call life's golden ticket, you know, this, this second chance. And I knew I had to learn to do those things. I didn't know how to live or love or matter. So when I got back home and healed and went back to school, I started reading books on psychology, on personal development, on spirituality, on leadership, on communication, the great biographies of great figures in history. And I just got completely dorked out into sociology or neuroscience, behavioral economics, trying to understand, like, how do I change? I wasn't happy. And I figured it out. And I really changed. That sad kid became that happy kid. That, that awkward kid became still awkward, but happy to talk with people. And I shifted. I got a great job. I you know, became a leadership consultant for Accenture, which was one of the world's largest consulting companies at the time, still is. And had an amazing career there. And then I decided one day, you know what? Enough people said, that's, tell me more about this car accident. Tell me, you should write a blog, do a video, you know, um, you, you should have a newsletter. And, and finally, I listened to that. And in 2006, I started full-time as what we now call, you know, creator economy, influencer economy, thought leader, what we do. And I just wanted to help people change because I found out how possible it was for me. 
And I realized that everybody, if you can make self-improvement a way of life, you can become who you need to become for your calling, for your family, for your life. You can learn new skills. You can change your attitude. You can really, really transform your behaviors to be more supportive of the future you want. And that's why we started Growth Day. You know, my, my company was to, to how, do we, how do we empower people to make that self-improvement process a little easier, to make the self-help stick a little bit with the right tools and the app. And I just really, I, I got it. I, I got it as a young man. I was 19. So for me, that was a long time ago. And I learned that we can change. And when you're inspired by that, and I, I'll, I'll share the, the one big takeaway I got from that was what I learned is really mortality motivation. Life is short. Yes. If you want to change, do it. Do it. And at the time that this podcast is coming out, I mean, it's that time of renewal and recalibration and starting over. And so that message is even more uh, impactful right now where people are. And funny enough, Brendan, this episode will come out at the end of January. So at the time when New Year's resolutions have probably dropped off, when that excitement and eagerness to be a different person has now kind of been on the backside because now they're just like head down, getting it done. So I feel like this message is finding people at the most perfect time. And I really, um, I really feel really great that the timing is so perfect. And while you were telling your story, and I love that story, I love how what came out of that story, I should say. But one of the things that I love about you is that you talk a lot about habits. And I'm guessing in Growth Day, this is a topic that comes up a lot as well. And you've talked like very specifically about these like six habits that we should commit to in order to achieve long-term success. And I was wondering if you could give us some of those habits right now. Yeah. And these six habits, I think you guys will love them. They're based on my book, High Performance Habits. And uh, that was based- High Performance Habits is an incredible book. Everybody should get their hands on that. Let's just thank you, put thank it you, out thank there. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank <laughs> you. Um, that book is a result of the world's largest study of high performance has ever been done. Wow. So academic research study from 190 countries teamed up with researchers from University of Pennsylvania's positive psychology department and UC Santa Barbara and massive study of world's high performers. And what we were looking for is what were their habits and could we correlate any of those with long-term success, well-being, and positive relationships? It was the first time anyone's ever done what you and I would call like holistic success. It was like no one had ever actually tried to academically formulate this. They always did it around personality, but not around specific habits. And we also said, well, how can we do around habits that are malleable, meaning you could change them and improve them, and you could measure them, and third parties could measure them. Huge study. And we found out there's you know, personal habits and social habits that make all the difference, and there's only six. And uh, I didn't do it because it was a convenient framework. I thought there'd be like 20 of them, <laughs> but the correlations only proved out six. And so these but six the habits- The marketer in you had to have loved that when it was just six. No, because I'd actually, I didn't because the teacher in me had been teaching something that was wrong for a long time. Oh, okay. I thought if you'd asked me, I would have said creativity would be in the top five of the highest correlations to long-term success. Okay. And I was wrong. It wasn't. So part of me was like, crap. I was like, run the numbers again, guys. I, I've been teaching this. And because, you know, creativity is important to me and it is vital to success, but 
the kind of success we all want isn't success where we end up unhealthy and without any friends, family, or great relationships. And a lot of people have that. They have tons of financial success. They've got the house, the car, the money, the kids, they can afford the college and everything else. And they're silently miserable or they're open assholes. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. So it's one of them. And so uh, it's because they didn't get the other parts about our definition of high performance is long-term success while still maintaining positive well-being, which is health and happiness, and positive relationships. And so the, the six habits that lead to that, I'll briefly go over them and we can dive in anyone you want. Okay. The first one is high performers more often than underperformers seek clarity. They are always after the self-awareness game. They are always trying to get clarity on what is it we're trying to do here? What's the real problem we're trying to solve? They're trying to get clarity on the roles and responsibilities. They ask more questions in meetings. And this time of year, when this podcast is out, here's the simplest rule. Do you like the momentum you have so far this year? If you do or you don't, capture this one-liner. Momentum is always preceded by clarity. If you don't have the momentum you want in your life or your business, clarity is missing. And so there's a discipline of seeking clarity, asking for help, doing the research, trying to figure out who you are, what are your key skills? How do you want to serve people? What's the mission here? Those simple things. It's like, you know, I did two online courses with Oprah Winfrey Network and Oprah named them and produced them. And it was an amazing experience for me because she was like this huge hero. And then I got to teach her and her senior team about this very topic about how to manage change and about habits. And if you ever work with her, she starts her meetings, all of her meetings, she starts with, what's our intention for this meeting today? Such a great question. That's a high performance, seeking clarity. What's our intention here? Um, Second habit is generate energy. Not have energy, not hope to have it one day. High performers do things specifically to generate their mental, emotional, physical, spiritual energy. They have practices, you know, meditation, exercise, diet, sleep, nutrition, and they approach them like, uh, like an athlete. The highest performing CEOs in the world are over 60% more likely to work out four times a week. Oh. So it's like they move, they, yeah. they care about nutrition. It doesn't mean you don't see very unhealthy people out there. They're just not going to be a high performer. They, they can't sustain that decade over decade. Um, so generating energy is really important. And you learn to bring the emotional energy to contexts, not be a taker of them. You learn to be responsible for the energy you project into the world. And you summon that energy when called upon. Um, the third one is to raise necessity. This one was, I didn't know what this was. <laughs> so yeah, you, everyone else, I think, really got this one. I didn't quite get it. <laughs> necessity means I have psychological necessity for success. I, it means it's necessary for me to do well here because I've mentally set up the stakes that way. Oh, um, okay. I work with Olympians and there's this famous... Uh, Olympia and I worked with who um, I went on the track with her one time and I said, so, you know, your competition, you're going to win or lose by like 0.001 second or something like that. You know, it's so close these races. I said, how do you know who to win here? Who should we bet on? Maybe we can use that in your psychology. And she says, well, 
and she was getting down in the blocks and she looked to the finish line and she says, well, another person's going to stand here and we're going to go to the blocks. And the person who I think is going to win that race is the person who looks at that. Some people want it. They want the gold. They want to win. They've trained their whole lives. When I look at that finish line, I say, I'm doing this for my mom. That's necessity. I need to do well here for my mom. I need to do here well here for the kids. There's stakes that we psychologically set up. When we go in the meeting, we have the guts to remind ourselves why it's so important we win that meeting. You see all those movies of business tycoons, they go into that key meeting and, 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 and they're out there psyching themselves up or they're, or they're stressing themselves out, which is okay too. They're mentally preparing. They know the stakes are high and they don't avoid that. Yes. A lot of underperformers are very uncomfortable with any stakes, with any pressure. And high performers tend to put that pressure in a positive way on themselves to remind themselves of the why, to make it a must to succeed. You know, all of those things where we psychologically say, this is important. I should do well here. It's a must, not a should. I'm going to go for it because it matters. Their self-talk ramps themselves up in a positive way to be on. And yeah. I, didn't, I didn't realize how important that one was or if you could measure it, but we did. And, and people love that one from High Performance Habits. I love that one too. And it reminds me of one of the biggest lessons I learned when working with Tony is that he talked about like getting uncomfortable every single day and yeah. not being scared to be uncomfortable. And I think it, it goes back to that habit of not being scared to put yourself in those high stakes environments because you want it. You want it bad and you've yeah. got a why behind it. So yeah. yeah Les Brown taught us all. And that whole chapter, I wish I could just summarize because Les Brown taught us, you got to be hungry. <laughs> exactly. You got to be hungry is what psychological necessity means. You yes. have a hunger for it. You stoke that hunger and you serve that hunger. And that is how we go to another level. That's, that's Les Brown 101, you know? Uh, uh, so good. So true. The fourth one, now we go into the social realm of, of the habits. The fourth one is we must learn to become more productive. Mm. This is so not fun, but high performers are more productive. They understand how to increase productivity. Um, they do things like blocking time sufficiently on a calendar. They take a break every 50 minutes, which no one does, and it still blows my mind. The world's largest study of productivity ever done. We had over 2 million data points of um, productive people. And hands down, the most productive people take breaks between 50 and 52 minutes. Really? And yes. And here's the difference. Because what most people do, uh, the metaphor I learned to teach that research from was to say, you know, a high performance race car, a high performance race car, they're spinning around there. They're racing around that circle. Do you notice they take these pit stops? Yeah. Well, the car actually doesn't need the pit stop. It could make the mileage and could make the race. It takes the pit stop to refuel and to recharge and to refresh so it can go faster, longer. Yes. What most people do is they go, they burn around that racetrack every day, every week, every month. They never they take think, a well, break. I can do it. I can do it. So they can totally it. do it. Yeah. That's the thing. The human capability, your stamina as a human is 10 times further than you've ever even tried. Unless you've ever run an ultra marathon, you have no idea what your capabilities are. Yeah. And so mentally, most of us have no idea how much stamina we have, but we falsely try to burn our way into it. But what you have to learn is that high performers, 
they recharge. It's like they take multiple pit stops throughout the day. Like if you meet me at nine o'clock at night, I'm still this annoying <laughs> because <laughs> while other people, they're done at nine o'clock, they're wiped out. They're so finished because they burned all day. I took like seven breaks during the day. <laughs> so by the time I get nine, my brain is still fresh. I'm still ready to go. Um, Paulo Coelho wrote this book called The Alchemist. And Paulo, The Alchemist is the sixth best-selling book in the history of the world now. And he called me to help with a book promotion. Which I was like, why would you need my help? But he was having trouble selling in the US as much. Wow. That book has, we won't get into it, but you guys look up the story of that book getting published and getting out there. The fact that you were part of that is amazing for the record. Yeah. Not that book, a subsequent book. So he called me at the book Aleph. So he he was number one in UK. He was number one in a couple other countries. He's like, somehow, I mean, it's one of my favorite stories for those who know Paulo Coelho. He, I had this studio at the time and there was, I call it my red phone in there. My, like four (laughs) people in my life had this phone number. And the phone rings. So I go over and I pick it up and hello, Brandon. And I'm like, uh, this is Brendan. Uh, <laughs> yes, Brandon, Brandon, Brandon. Yes. Hello. This is Paulo Coelho. And I was like, yeah, whatever. I'm thinking. It's, it's, yeah. Well, his publisher reached out to my publisher who talked to my agent who got the red phone number. And he basically said, I, I, I hear you know how to launch these books. You've been, you know, all these charts and, and helping people do it. And the publisher recommends you. Can we talk through this? Now, at this point, he's my hero. And so when he goes, it's Paulo Coelho, and he finally says it with enough authority, I know it's true. I go, really? <laughs> and my voice cracked like a 16-year-old kid. And uh, I tell this story because I end up working with him. I go out to Geneva, and we're working on his book campaign, his blog, and much other stuff. And it's a big deal for me. Like, this is, my, this is like a hero. Go to his house. He welcomes me in. We're awesome. We're having this amazing working session. And I'm just like, I'm finally getting comfortable there. I was kind of awkward. My ideas are flowing. We're, we're writing things down. And all of a sudden, he kind of stands up and uh, they bring over this little tray of like food. And so I like have a little snack. And, and, and then he's like, okay, Brandon, I'll see you tonight. And I was like, and now I just flew across the frigging world. And I said, oh, I'm... I'm sorry. Did I do something? I, I thought I did something bad. I had no Aww. idea. And he says, oh, no, no, Brandon. Genius only operates in four hours. Whoa. So we had done four hours, which I wasn't even attentive to. We'd been working four hours. He sent me away. <laughs> we went and had dinner. And then we had another working session. And so he only works. In, he's literally the best-selling living author. And he's, he only works in four-hour blocks. High performers work in short blocks of time, and then they have significant refresh. The average is 52 minutes, but other people might do an hour or two if their constitution leads them to that, maybe three or four. But that would be the upper, upper limit before you need a significant break. So anyway, I love that story because- That is a great story. I follow that. I practice that too. I was like, I, I do my 50-minute breaks, then about every four hours, I go for a significant walk, or that's when I do my, my release meditation technique to reset- um, all these things really matter. Uh, the next habit that really matters is we have to learn to develop influence. Mm. And you're so good at teaching this. It's like, we have to have influence with people if we want them to buy from us, but we also have to have influence if you want pe- people to believe in us, yeah. to support us, to cheer us on, to open doors for us, to invest in us. And most people have no idea how to do influence. And so we studied a lot about how, how high performers do it specifically. And what they tend to do, high performers, is they are 
First, they are really, really, really good about teaching people how to think. If you want influence with other people, start with sharing stories and examples or insights about how they should think, meaning influential people shape your mindset. Um, if you think of the most influential people in your life, I guarantee they taught you how to think, how to think of yourself, other people, your job, your career, your mission, your life, your relationships. That's the critical, that is the one you, any, I've done this in my seminars around the world. Ask everyone, raise their hand if they ever had a significant mentor. They all raise their hand. I said, I can guarantee one thing they all did. Everyone universally taught you how to think. They taught you how to think. Okay. So give it to me in a really specific way. What's an example of teaching somebody how to think? Because there's people listening right now that want to influence in a bigger way and they're struggling to do so. Like make it tactical for me is what I'm trying to say. Like, what does that look like? Yeah. One time I came from college. I had this project in college and I was pretty dejected. Other people in my group didn't believe in me. And um, one person made fun of me and said my idea was stupid. And I went and talked to a mentor of mine. And the mentor said to me, you know what, Brendan? Their understanding is not required for your progress. You have, you're, you're always sitting around waiting for people to approve or to say it's okay or to cheer you on. And if they don't, you stop. But their permission, their understanding even their empathy, it's not required for you to still keep taking action towards what you know is right for yourself. He taught me to look at that situation of rejection or discouragement in a different way. Like, oh, I don't need that. So he shaped my thoughts yes. about what to do in these difficult circumstances. That person had influence. You I know, love that. You, shaping your thoughts. That's, that's so perfectly said. Yeah, yeah. They also, another thing that, to have influence with people, you have to challenge them. That's what leaders do. They challenge people. They challenge your contribution. They challenge your character even. They challenge your relationships with other people. They challenge your output. And the most influential people tend to deliver some tough love. And tough love equals challenge. That's what it usually means. Tough love is usually challenging someone to be better with understanding and patience and kindness. And most influential people did that for us. And the last thing influential people do is they role model it. Yes. They're demonstrating like you, this is so awesome for your community, for your community. You demonstrate it. They see Amy Porterfield show up again and again and again and again. And they're, just, they're influenced and empowered by it just by you doing you. And so if you want to influence other people, learn to shape their thoughts, challenge them and role model the way. If you do that, you have developed more influence. That is golden. That, that was a big takeaway from this. So thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. And the last one is just demonstrating courage. High performers, they demonstrate courage. And in the research, you know, I, I thought it was going to be like the big profound moments they would talk about. It's not that at all. Courage tends to mean that you take action even when you have risk or doubt or uncertainty. But what we really learned in the research was high performers tended to speak up for others and for themselves. So they were more likely in a meeting to share their idea, yeah. even if they were introverted, they still were more likely to share. They were more likely also to make sure other people in the meeting, hey, you know what? Sarah hasn't got to speak yet. Sarah, what do you think? Or if Sarah got made fun of, they say, hey, you know what? Everyone, let's take a breather here. 
let's give some space here. Sarah, what were you trying to explain? And so they speak up for other people and for themselves. That's what real courage is. I mean, yes, if you can jump across a you know freight train and save a baby, that's pretty cool too. But real high performance means speaking up for one. And what I tell people all the time, do you want to know if you have courage? Do the people in your real life, your family, your friends, the peers, the people you work with, do they actually know your real thoughts, feelings, desires, dreams, hopes, and needs? And if they don't, that's an area to work on. Because in communicating those things, we can directly correlate that to your long-term success, income, well-being, and ability to have creative, positive relationships. And so all of these things uh, you know, are my passion. We teach them in high-performance habits. When people sign up for growth day, they get like a six-hour course on all of them. Like I just, I'm like passionate about them because everything else, we measured a hundred other performance variables. They were all less correlative than what we found with those six high performance habits. Wow. It, they are, the, the book is amazing. I love that you teach them in growth day, but those six habits, literally, I think as entrepreneurs, we should live and die by them. And that last one, the way you explain courage, totally different than any way I've ever looked at courage before. And so uh, you guys like rewind a little bit and listen to that section one more time, because that was powerful. And I think it could sh- shift a lot of lives. For sure. Yeah. And imagine someone trying to do what you teach if they won't take that step to really oh express God. themselves, because that is scary. But I want everyone to hear yes, there are some things in life that are scary. And there are some things in life that are required. And if you want to have a career like Amy, or you want to build your business, or you want to have a bigger personal brand or more social media following, I just want to let you know, you don't get the option of not expressing yourself authentically. That's not an option on the plate. And you don't get the option of not speaking up for yourself. And you don't get the, you, those aren't options there. Those are options in people's real lives or personal lives. Those are options in marriages and people take them and they ruin marriages. When you speak up for yourself and you are willing to express yourself consistently, remember, not only is that a demonstration of courage, which remember is tied to long-term success. It's measurable, but also that serves as an example to others, which is how you develop influence with them. Yes, You can't have real influence with other people until you learn to express yourself authentically. And the only way you learn to express yourself authentically is by expressing yourself a lot to sort out your internal guidance system of the BS versus what is real. And only you can find that and you got to run the laps or do the reps to find what that is true for you. So good. This, this has been a better conversation than I even thought it would be, but I'm not done because I've got two more questions that I've got to run by you. And this next one, I've been dying to ask you because I'm so curious what you're going to say. So here's the deal. You know that the people that listen to this podcast are building businesses. They're creating courses and memberships and growing their email list. They're in the trenches. They're getting it going. And so they are equally interested in strategy as they are with personal development. And so my question to you is, if your entire business, your email list, your social media, everything gets taken away and you have to start from scratch, where do you invest your time and your energy if you were starting from scratch. So good. Um, 
Well, in this modern world, as we're filming this right now, there's only two things, content and campaigns. Content and campaigns. I need a content rhythm from myself and I need campaign strategy and execution. Everything else is window dressing or ego, um, but those are the only two things that matter. And so uh, if, if I could only do two things, those things would matter. The third thing if I add on would be collabs, collaborations. Um, really good at collabs. Yeah, I, I would do those. But, but first one, no one wants to do a collab with you if you haven't done content rhythm and campaigns because those, those, those are the foot in the door. Those prove that you got the chops and you're willing to do the work. So content rhythm, the most important thing to ever learn there for those who've gone through Experts Academy or, or, or an Influencer Summit or Influencer Pro, my programs, um, first and foremost, hands down, you need to understand circular virulosity. It's this phrase I came up with. I wish I had a better phrase now in, <laughs> in the pandemic time. Circular virality is what everyone understands now is content strategy. And uh, you know, I started teaching this in 2007. And content rhythm, what this means with circular virality is you do a long form piece of content every single week. You take that long form piece of content every single week. You break it up into clips and into quotes. You take those clips and their quotes. You share them all across social media with links back to that long form piece of content, whether that is your podcast, your YouTube show, or your blog. Then every single week, you see which of those clips and quotes did the best. Those clips and the quotes you pull into a Dropbox file as your best of. Those are the high performers. Then every three to four weeks, you repost those, linking back again to that long form piece of content. That never stops. And that creates what we call circular virality. All those little clips and quotes, all linking back to the, the, the blog or the major piece. I know that sounds like no duh now, but we were teaching that 2007, right? Wow. Like that's, that's so how long I've been at this. You know, everyone took some piece of that somewhere. And I think that's what's really important. That, the discipline of running that and doing that, even just one piece of content a week and cutting it up in that way and measuring it and replacing it out there and linking back. Um, and of course, when you link back to long form content in some way, you have to be capturing email, which you teach so phenomenally well. And people need to listen to what she's saying because email is still the number one highest value asset you will have in this career yeah. of all time. Of all time. Then, then campaign strategy. Um, I just did a big training for Influencer Pro, which people can access on, I think, on influencerpro.com. And this training is on if I had only three campaigns to run. If I only had three campaigns to run at all, I would run a free trial campaign. I would run a $7 um, entrance gate campaign. And I would run a challenge model campaign. And those three would be the ones I would start with. And then I would listen to everything Amy says about webinars because she recently taught me about that. And I was like, I got to get back in webinars. She's right. I should, I should be back in webinars. So uh, I would start with those three. I think those can really get you in the game. And once you've done those three, I did those three for the first 10 years of my career, really. And, um, you know, generated over $100 million with three of those. So I think the people have to get off this idea that you have to do 50 campaigns Agreed. or 20 different things. You're so good at teaching this. Like when you narrowed down and you just started focusing on, one key campaign, one key offer, your business grew up. So I think that's what people need to hear that, that simplicity and elegance. 
Uh, absolutely. And the fact that you said one long form piece of content a week, I have been preaching this for my whole entire career. You got to put out original content on a weekly basis. And yes. there's so many people that will say, oh, maybe every other week, once a month. I'm like, no, once a week, get it out there. The fact that you take it even one step further by chopping it up and doing the strategy that you explained is even better. But I love that you said that. Yeah. Okay. I'll give you one quick why circular virosity matters so much. Okay. Yeah. In that, I want everyone to hear that reposting or recycle strategy. Yeah. So, like, people always ask, how did you get 5 million fans on Facebook? Well, for the first couple of years, I was doing four posts a day. And then I finally was like, gosh, this is a lot of work. Yeah. And then I realized, why don't I just go back and grab the great ones and repost them, maybe change a background or whatever? And I started putting those out. I started doing one. I just did one post a day on Facebook and Instagram. And the other posts were recycled. They were previous high performers. And my page went, because people, they already won. You don't have to keep inventing. Grab the things that already won and yes. keep putting them out there. But just make sure you set a schedule for it. And then you will do it or ask your team to do it. Reposting winners is the ultimate, most important thing. Matter of fact, I just took a customer. Uh, you know, famous person in our industry. It's like, couldn't break through on their ads, couldn't break through on their ads, couldn't break through on their ads. I said, if I make you a new million dollar ad, would you give me 15%? He said, yes. I said, okay, great. I went to his Facebook page. I sorted his videos by the most popular videos of all time. I grabbed that. I wrote three sentences and put his link on it. I sent it back. I go, here you go. And you never even thought about oh it. My like God. you already have winners. You already have them. And, and it's like, he couldn't believe it. And I took my 15% and I was happy. It's like <laughs> people need a punch in the face to say, Hey, you've already had winners out there. I'm from Montana. If on a Sunday you have a garage sale and everyone shows up and it works and you make money, guess what you do next Sunday? Another garage sale. <laughs> like, so it's like, if you have something that works, please stick to it. Double down on it. True. Leverage it again. You can bet that I will be sending this fortune to my content team and my marketing team, because I don't think we do enough of that. Like that is gold to me. So, yeah. and I, I'm always about, let's not reinvent the wheel. I talk about that in my launches all the time, but in content creation, I'm reinventing the wheel every single week, twice a week. So yeah. I love this. Absolutely love this. Okay. People are going to walk away with that. And they're just going to be like, I just got exactly what I needed. And then some, but yeah. we're not done because what we do here is we do rapid fire questions. And I've got five for you before I can let you go. So are you willing to answer these five rapid fire questions? Yes. And I'm, I'm grounding myself. I suck at these. So you can, <laughs> the audience do. can tell I'm a little long winded. So <laughs> no, but I'm never really good at them. So it's okay if you can't get it right away. Okay. Number one is who is someone that's inspiring you at the moment? Someone, uh, my wife, Denise. Oh, um, that's sweet. Yeah, we just recently moved and um, it was a big move and big. we had to go, we had to go through so much stuff to, everyone here knows if you move and you're a business owner, it's like a lot that happens and her just support and diligence and, and just, you know, making every, making all the ships move at the same time and keeping me in a, you know, in, in a, in a good attitude and working through, it was just, it was hard. And, um, she just, she was ah, inspired. She's a good woman. She is. Yeah. Number two, what is the best advice you've ever received? Ooh. Or one of the best. Yeah. I'd be my, I'd be my dad's. So yeah, yeah I'd be my dad's. My, your dad. 
Yeah, my dad. Uh, we lost dad in, in 2009 to acute myeloid leukemia. And um, right before he died, I, 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 honestly, I honestly feel like this is the time that you and I were meeting. Um, it, was, it was either, I, I feel like it was the year before or that year. Um, it was. Yeah. I started and, my business in 2009. So that meeting was in 2008. Okay. Yeah. So 2009, um, dad got sick with my, uh, leukemia out of nowhere, uh, passed away. I was doing a seminar when I found out his third treatment at chemo wasn't going to work. And I called him and interviewed him. Um, back when you remember do like free conference calling, you know, it's like I called and I just wanted to capture his voice. I had no recordings of my dad. And he didn't want me to cancel the seminar and fly out. He said, you're coming tomorrow, which was, he was right. I could, I did from that moment until he passed away. We had 59 days with him, but I called him and I asked him these 30 questions about life. And, um, you know, over a million people have downloaded this. Now you can just type in my name and life interview questions. So if you type in Google, remember our life interview questions, there's a free PDF, literally over a million people have downloaded this and asked their families these questions. Cause I always tell people, if you still have your mom or your dad or a caregiver or someone you love, interview them about their life before they're gone. And I just give people the questions I asked my dad. And it became a thing. It's like one of the most valued piece of content I own. And it's my dad's recording. And, and what he shared in there was kind of, it was so wild. It was the same messages he had shared to us throughout our lives. My dad always said the same seven things. He said it in the interview, but I never knew he was like, oh, he's saying this on purpose. He must be later on. It was like, oh, he's doing the influence model. He's shaping how he thought. He, Dad always said the same things throughout. He, he knew what he was saying. Be yourself. Be honest. Do your best. Take care of your family. Treat people with respect. Be a good citizen. Follow your dreams. Mm, that is beautiful. And he always said them. And then on this interview, he kind of just, he said them, but it was so casual and it didn't, it was until he passed away later. And I was listening to it. I was like, wow, he, he knew he was saying those. I mean, he, I never, you know, your parents say things to you, but I never thought he had a plan about it. And those pieces of advice are, are, are the most important uh, I've ever had. And I'll just share with you the, I think that was the most shared piece of content I've ever done in my entire life. I just shared my dad's seven things he taught me there. And that's probably my most proud piece of content my, out of everything I've ever done. That's the thing that went the most viral. You know? Oh my gosh. I love that. We're going to link to that in the show notes too. Cause I want everyone to get their hands on that. That, cool. that is beautiful. Absolutely. He was an influencer before it was even cool. I totally, he, he knew what he was doing there. Okay. So let me get, let me, we're almost done with our questions. Do you have a favorite book or a favorite resource that you could share with my audience? On any, on any well, topic or you've got a favorite resource. Actually, this might be a really great time. I wanted to ask you about this. Tell everybody about growth day. It's a really cool thing. So could that be your favorite resource? Can I choose it for you? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, yes, definitely. Now it's my favorite resource because I literally use it three times a day. Um, so growth day is an app. You can go to growthday.com. There's 14 day free trials and it's an all in one personal development app. And so I used to like, I'm a, I'm a super personal development geek, which everyone knows. Um, but you know, I've got my personal development journals over here. My planners over there. <laughs> I signed up for these courses by these people over here in their own platforms. Um, you know, I'm on like 10 different Facebook groups, basically all my personal development was scattered. And a couple of years ago, I said, 
why isn't there a platform, a single platform for personal development where I can do my personal development journal, but not be wondering what to write, being prompted with personal development prompts to actual journal on things that will gain self-awareness and self-mastery? Why isn't there a plan that's set up in a way that I can capture goals the way the personal development people would? Why, you know, um, where I want to learn from live coaches and be inspired, but in one place, you know, and it's kind of like if masterclass, instead of having courses, just had their mentors teaching live and you could interact with them. Um, and so the idea of growth day was born and that's all I focused on. All I've done like, like last two years, we started a software company. We spun up the engineering teams. Uh, we built an entire team and company around it. And uh, now it's, I mean, hands down when people go in there and they take courses like, whoa, I can save my notes watching a personal development course and they're time coded and all of the notes across all of your classes roll up to your profile. So you can click your notes and see all of the personal development notes you've ever taken. So like we have a course from Larry King on communication, right? You take the Larry King's communication course, you take notes, it time codes it later on, like a month later, you're trying to, oh, how do I do that? interview, you go back, you click on your note, it opens that video to the exact precise moment where you took the note. I mean, it's, it, and there's, then there's community chat with it too. So you're sharing and learning. If we had personal development challenges, what would they look like? All of that we put in growth day. It is my resource I go to because I journal twice a day because in the morning under our journal, we have a button that says morning mindset. And it asks me questions to prompt me to get me in a good positive mindset. I love journal prompts. That's so fantastic. I'm always stuck on what to write. Yeah, me too. And then at the end of the day, we have daily life scores and I score my life at the end of the day and it creates recommendations and trend lines for what's happening in my high performance habits, as well as sleep, diet, mood, stuff like that. So I'm really, it's like my dashboard for my like real life. So that's growth day. Growth Day is amazing. I'm so glad you Aww. shared it here. So thank you. And I'm so glad you created it. It is really beautiful. Okay. So let's see here. If you could tell your younger self one thing, what would it be? I just say, feel the day. Feel. Be mindful enough to make sure you feel the day. Feel the emotions of it. Feel the connection with it. Feel the relationships. Feel, the, feel every moment. Just feel it. You know, life goes by real fast. You know, achievements will happen if you have clarity and you follow the high performance habits. You'll have great relationships if you learn to be there. Most people in relationships, you can you can repair a lot of relationships if you just teach each person to feel the moment when they're together. Because all we want with other people is for them to feel that they feel us feeling them. You know what I mean? It's like it's like that vibe. There's there's no way to explain other than it's 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 (laughs) it's it's that feeling thing. And and I think that most people. They have all the reason and all the success and all the abundance and all the food in the kitchen, the pantry. And when they're unhappy, it's because they've forgotten themselves to bring the joy and to feel the moment. And you have to pause and, and teach yourself to do that, to get mindful enough to be in a positive, grateful, high intentional, optimistic place. That's the work of personal development. Yes. Fantastic. And your final question is, what is your definition of a great leader? Oh my gosh. Yeah, just throw that one in. That's a whole (laughs) seminar. Um, Okay, a great leader. Well, I believe that, well, I'm going to take all of my leadership training and bust it down into five words. Okay. 
all a leader needs to know is this phrase. And um, I'm actually working on a book on this topic, which you didn't know. So this was not a tee up. This was great. No. But okay, all leaders will get this as soon as I say it. People support what they create. People support what they create. A leader's job is to help people co-create a vision, co-create a plan, co-create the journey. And when you have the people supporting something because they had the idea or they were involved in the idea or they're involved in the journey in a meaningful way, they support it. They have skin in the game. They have passion for it. And great leaders do that. They create a process of interaction and influence in which other people are not followers, but rather collaborators. And when leaders help people become collaborators toward a shared and mutual vision, then we all want to do it. And it's hard to do that. It's easy to be a figurehead, hard to be a leader. It's easier to be a dictator, harder to be a leader. But the ones who change the world, they tend to lead in that way where they understand the importance of people support what they create. So they're always looking for ambassadors, always making other people champions, always encouraging and empowering people and enlisting people with the content, knowledge, relationships they need. They're really good at empowering people to build the journey along with them and then beyond them. Ah, that is fantastic. I love that. I'm going to use that as I lead my own team. And I know a lot of leaders out there are going to just snatch that up and start implementing it. That is a beautiful message. And I'm excited about this book. You're going to have to come back on when that book comes out so we can talk more about it. I'll do it. Okay. I love that. Thank you so very much, friend. This has been such a treat. I love chatting with you. I'm so glad that our friendship has been such a long, wonderful friendship, whether we've been in touch a lot or not in touch. I feel like I haven't missed a day with you. Thank you so much for doing this. I love that you're leading so well, Amy. I just want to give you props. Like This community has... I hope everyone here gets the the value of what you're doing and shares the message of what you're doing, whether this episode or other episodes, because it's so rare to have somebody who has been here doing this this long, shares openly this much information, brings on this kind of caliber of folks who she's always interviewing, and it's just role modeling the way. So I appreciate you, Amy. Thank you for having me. Thank you, friend. All right. I'll talk to you again soon. Take care. Holy cow, I am so fired up right now, and I hope you are. Here's the thing. As I was listening to Brendan throughout the entire interview, I was thinking, I really needed to hear this conversation right now. I think it's going to help me just recalibrate even a little bit more. I know we just entered into 2022, and I did a lot of recalibration, and I feel re-energized in the new year, but also there's a few things that I can refine even more. And I really found a lot of takeaways in this episode that I'm going to implement in my own life. I think my biggest takeaway from this conversation was when Brendan was talking about courage and how a high performer is courageous, but he talked about it in a way that's so different than I've ever thought about it. And the funny thing is I have an episode coming out in a few weeks in February. It's a shorty episode where I'm sharing with you the five feelings that I'm going to focus on, like five ways I want to feel in 2022. And then I'm sharing with you a bunch of my goals that I've set. So that's an upcoming episode in February. And one of the feelings that I want to feel again and again and again 
is courageous. So when he talked about it, it really hit home for me. Also, I love that throughout the entire episode in like the sweetest way possible, Brendan kind of gave us the kick in the pants that we needed. Did you feel that way? I know I did. Okay, so here's the thing. This was a special episode. And because Brendan and I go way back and because I got to dive into some of these questions I've been wanting to ask him for forever, I just want to make sure that you walk away from this episode taking action. So here's what I want you to do. I want to hear like your biggest takeaway or your aha moment or what you loved most about this episode. So what I want you to do is take a screenshot of this episode on your phone. Like if you're listening to it on your phone, just take a quick screenshot and then post it on Instagram and tag me. So I'm just at Amy Porterfield on Instagram. Tag me and tell me your favorite part of this episode, your biggest takeaway, your aha moment. If you don't want to do it publicly, you can even send me a DM, whatever works for you. But if you do send it on Instagram publicly, I will absolutely be reposting a lot of those and sharing those. Okay. So as always, I'll link to his information in the show notes, all the different links he talked about, all the different books and resources, growth day, all of that, I'll put it in the show notes. So be sure to head on over to my website to take a look at all of those goodies. All right. If you would be so kind to share this wonderful episode with a friend or two, I'd be forever grateful. I have big things coming to this podcast this year, and I want to make sure it can impact the lives of entrepreneurs all around the world. So if you could help me with that, I'd be so forever appreciative. All right, my friends, I'll see you next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now.